0: So we have some good meditation weather today. And it may be that the weather is different than what you expect. So where I'm from in uh, San Francisco this weekend, they're having a heat wave. So the hottest temperatures ever in the hundred degrees, which is very unusual for San Francisco. So this is both possible evidence of uh, climate change and also a sign that everything changes in our worlds. So I talk a little bit this morning about some uh, particular aspect of that that's highlighted in the Buddhist teachings that's helpful to consider in practice and in life. So according to the the Buddhist psychology, what we call our life uh, is these experiences that are coming to us through our senses. And you learned in kindergarten probably uh, that you have five senses. So seeing, smelling, tasting, touching, hearing. In this Buddhist psychology, there's considered also a sixth one, and the sixth one is the mind. So just as we receive some experience of sight, as long as the eye is working and there's light and uh, consciousness, then there also can be experiences through the mind, of a mind object or a thought. And this could be a mind object that is a visual one or verbal one or even a sound Memories, plans, all of this falls into the category of uh, mind object, you could say. So what we call our life is this rapid succession of different experiences through these different senses. So we'll see something, then there'll be a thought about it. We'll have a body experience, and then there might be a reaction in the mind. We'll hear something, We might feel something again in the body. And part of our practice in this vipassana, the inside insight meditation, is to gain some clarity about how this plays out. So to tune in to this interplay. in some ways to see through the apparent solidity of our life. And to see that it, it's actually like these different experiences that are happening. So also notable with these different experiences happening is is that no one of them ever stays the same. So even something that feels like it's there for a long time, and when we pay more attention, when we pay closer attention, can actually feel that there is variation within that. So it could be we feel like, oh, my back hurts. And then the idea is there, the, the thought back pain. But Actually, from tuning into it a little bit more closely, we can see, like, oh, it's actually these, all these different sensations coming and going. There's, like, vibrating and tingling and heat and pulling. And, and all of them are changing, and it gets larger, it gets smaller. Sometimes it's not there at all. So that's one thing it's helpful to notice is that there is this characteristic of of change, of it's possible to notice this. We have a a perception, an idea sometimes, that things are solid and permanent. But actually everything, when we tune in a little bit more closely, is kind of permeable, you know, it's, it's a variable. So the second thing that can be helpful to notice is that within this uh, variation, in each of these moments of sense experience, of a sight, a sound, a taste, body sensation, there's a characteristic that the Buddha pointed out that's not usually noted as explicitly. And this is a characteristic about A feeling torn that seems to be there in each of these sense experiences. So what I mean by feeling torn is that an experience can be perceived to be a pleasant experience, an unpleasant experience, or sometimes neither pleasant nor unpleasant, or a neutral experience. So basically in every moment, it's possible that a particular experience of the body, of a smell, of a taste, of a touch, can be either pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. So this is connected to, but a different dimension than the very specifics of the color or the specifics of the type of sound or, you know, the type of food or... Uh, anything like that. And this too is changing very rapidly. So even within the experience of one seeming thing, there's variation within this. So, for example, uh, yesterday uh, there was at lunchtime some uh, ice cream or iced substances, right? Coconut thing also, right? And in the experience of something like that, sometimes in the very beginning, it's like you taste it and you can taste the sweetness, it's very pleasant, Uh, it tastes good. And then sometimes as you continue to eat something like that, the characteristic that comes more to the foreground is just coldness. So then sometimes it can actually be sort of neutral for a little while, or even if the coldness is too much, it can feel unpleasant. But often the idea of the ice cream is extremely pleasant. We have an idea, this is a good thing, so we're not tuning into all these little changes and details within the experience. This noticing of this uh, kind of valence of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral is uh, particularly helpful because our tendency, when we don't notice that, is to have a habitual reaction to those different aspects. And even though we often think of ourselves as very complex and sophisticated human beings, the reactivity is actually quite habitual and simple. So if there's something that seems pleasant, we have a grasping or clinging, like we want it to stay, we want more of it. So we tend to contract the mind around that. And then we can get caught in this proliferation of thoughts and a whole world of created desire and need around this particular sensation. So again, with, for example, the, the ice cream, it could be that you, know, you got some and then you took a taste of it and it was pleasant. And then with that pleasantness, there was a, a leaning of the mind, like wanting more of it. And then sometimes the mind starts to strategize, like, I wonder if there's going to be enough for seconds. I wonder if I should go now. I wonder if that would look greedy, because I already have some. Let's see, how many people are here? How much ice cream there was there? So then, meanwhile, we actually have the thing that we want in front of us, but we're missing that experience because we're living in the mind, you know, because this contraction has taken place. If there's an unpleasant experience, our habitual tendency, the habit of the mind is to push it away, so to want it to go, to hate it, so have some aversion towards it. And the reactivity in that way doesn't actually make the experience change, but we don't see that, so it happens again and again like this. And in fact, also, with this pattern of reactivity, often the reactivity surpasses the experience. So we might have some unpleasant experience uh, of the body, and then a contraction of pushing it away, and then the mind begins to strategize how to make this change or shift. But meanwhile, sometimes that initial experience, whether it's a sense of being cold or a twinge in the body, has already departed. But we're stuck in this contraction. And then the third one, this state of neutral, neither pleasant nor unpleasant. You can see what the habitual reaction might be. For many people, the attention has not been trained to be able to hang out with neutral that much. And so that sometimes can be a time in which we space out or the mind will actually uh, be unable to remain in some state of balance with that. So sometimes it could be if you're Just with the body, with the breath, and it seems like kind of neutral, neither ecstatic nor horrible. It could be sometimes the time in which daydreams come in. Sometimes the mind uh, will go to making up something else, either highly more pleasant or, interestingly, even highly unpleasant just to fill up the time and have some other uh, kind of uh, stimulus. So you can notice how maybe you're sitting here and everything's going okay, not really having any problems, and uh, suddenly your mind makes up a problem, some problem that there is that you've concocted. Like, where am I going to do the walking meditation next? <laughs> should think about this. Decide this now. What's like? Should run through all the options, and uh, <laughs> or the mind will create some imagined disaster, and uh, live within that disaster. Like, what if I can't find my shoes when I go out? Sometimes it will regurgitate problems from the past. So notice how this is happening too. Notice how much time we actually live in the mind in this way. In this uh, created world. There's a story in the Zen tradition, someone who goes to a a cave and they paint a picture of a tiger. And then they look at the picture and they go, ah, tiger, and they run out of the cave screaming. So it's funny, but when you start to pay attention, you can see how often we're doing that in our minds. You're sitting here, breathing quietly, nobody's bugging you, and notice how often there's something like this gets concocted some cave painting or even cave motion picture, you know. And then we inhabit that world. We go through all the reactive emotions of it, ups and downs, until somehow, for some reason, we remember, like, oh, right, okay. IMS, meditating, right, not, not in that place. So if this happens to you even over and over again, it's okay. Here we're learning about the mind, we're learning about how things work. So as we bring mindfulness, we can see these patterns revealed. And often the first aspect of that is noticing how much we live in these imagined, make-believe caves in the mind. So as we practice this morning, can just be interested in this, checking it out. So both you can notice if there's a particular sense of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, in the body or with sounds. So just notice this shift of attention as it happens. And notice it's different to be connected to the experience of the body breathing, sitting, and the experience of our thoughts about things, our thoughts about our life, our meditation practice, anything. And even in gaining some clarity about which sense field the attention is in, what's actually going on can bring a lot of freedom, a lot of insight from understanding how the world gets created moment by moment. So let's sit together this morning, this good meditation weather morning. You could remember that you have the option to stand in the hall if you're feeling drowsy or if it feels helpful. Begin by bringing the attention, connecting with this body, immersing the attention in the experience of the body. Allowing the attention to fill the body. You can notice a sense of groundedness with the earth. feel where you're sitting and connected to the ground, the chair, cushion, bench. See if there's ways in which you're holding some tension unnecessarily in the muscles around the eyes, around the jaw. As you exhale, you can see if you can relax a little bit into the posture. even relaxing the internal organs. The shoulder, the belly. When we're sitting like this, there's often three main experiences that might be happening in this field of sense experiences. So, if the eyes are closed, we're not having experience of sight, and usually, when we are used to the room, we're not having so much sense of smell or taste. So primarily there's experiences of the body, there's experience of hearing, and then there's experiences through the sense store of the mind, so all the variety of thinking. So we can just practice trying to recognize which of these is happening. And so far we have been suggesting to anchor with the experience of the body. So rest the attention there and then notice what's happening. Notice when the attention might go to the field of the mind. It's also possible to use the field of sound or hearing as a place to arrest the attention. You can hold a very spacious open attention. And just allow whatever sounds there are to come and go as they do. If it's helpful, you could even label to notice so hearing very lightly in the mind. And then if there is a shift to thinking or planning or remembering, whenever you notice that, you could label that also. If there is an experience of the body that becomes predominant, you could also notice that, whether it's breathing or Even specifics of heat, cold, twinging, words don't matter so much, only if it's helpful to track what's happening in these sense fields. You can notice if there's an experience of sound, of hearing. What's the quality of this? Is it pleasant? Is it unpleasant or is it neither? And whichever it is, Is this being received with some balance or is there some reactivity in the mind towards this, leaning towards or pushing away or disengagement? You can notice if there is an experience of the body that's strong or that is noticeable. What's the tonal quality of this experience? Is it pleasant? Is it unpleasant? Is it neutral? And notice how it might change as you attend in each moment. Is there some reactivity around that which is different from the tonal quality itself? If you find that you've been adrift in the field of thought without knowing that, you just recognize that, oh, thinking, planning, remembering. And as you come to your senses again, come out of the cave a little bit, you can bring your attention again to a sense of hearing or a sense of the body try to relax again. So just see if there's some tension that's come again in the face, in the jaw, shoulders. You can try to come back with some kindness, gentleness. Always begin again. It doesn't have to be a problem. Shortly you'll hear the sound of the bell, which will mark the end of our practice period. You can tune into to the sound as it arises in the field of hearing, as it rings out, and as it fades away. You can notice if your attention wavers. And if so, just gently bring it back again. And if you like, you can also notice if there's a variation in that sound which seems like one sound. There's actually a lot of different things going on there. And it could be that you experience it as pleasant, as unpleasant, as neutral or varying during the difference that shows up in the ringing. So this uh, aspect of uh, investigation or uh, curiosity about our experience is a helpful and even, uh, I would say, like fun aspect of this kind of meditation. So the invitation is to check this out yourself, uh, whatever has been said about uh, how experience is playing out and see if it's true in your own life in your own practice. So if you like, as you're going around, you could notice and see, like, okay, is this true, this thing that was said about everything varying, everything changing? So you can observe in that in your mood as it might change, or physical body, or everything, the weather, you know. And then if you like, also you can notice, play around this pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. Even particularly the uh, time in the dining hall, a good time to notice this with food, with different smells or tastes, like how that is experienced by you. And then if there's some reactivity in the mind around that pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. And also how things might be different than you expect sometimes. So sometimes you might have this idea about I don't like broccoli or something. So uh, I invite you to the radical experiment of uh, giving this broccoli a chance if broccoli shows up. Uh, so you like, oh, what's this really like? You know, am I pre-prejudiced against this Green vegetable from some long ago experience, or is it really purely unpleasant? What's the What's the story here? And notice how it might change as you're going through. So the uh, way in which this is uh, helpful to us also is that we. for one thing, tend to seek a stable place of refuge, a, a place to rest our well-being in this world of changing experience. But because it's always changing, it's not to be found there. So it's a fragile place to try to look for a stable home. And also everything's always changing, but in our mind we have this constant pushing and pulling, You know moving towards the pleasant, pushing away the unpleasant. We usually posit that the problem in the world is that we're not getting enough pleasant stuff and there's too much unpleasant stuff. But I like to suggest that actually you can start to notice that the place of the tension, the place of suffering is actually in the mind. So whatever the unpleasant experience is, it's here for a moment and then it changes and it's here and gone and It's actually possible to be with something that's very unpleasant even a physical pain or the weather you don't like or a mood that's difficult, a sound that's difficult. And if it's possible to be with it just as it is, even if unpleasant, minus the contraction, minus the hating of it, there's a certain kind of okayness that's possible. similarly, if it's possible to be with something that's pleasant with some stability of mind, can both know that and, and fully experience that more when it's there. But also there's no residual tension of trying to hold on to that which is inherently going to disappear. There's no grabbing. And that too allows a freedom from suffering that we might previously have blamed on the sensation for not sticking around long enough or on life or something. So I invite you to check this out in your experience uh, during the day today also. So we'll have um, some time for those of you who didn't uh, have a group yesterday to meet at different times today uh, for small group for question answer but Um, Maybe I'll leave a little time this morning, um, particularly if there's people who will not have a group today. Uh, If you have a question about what happened in your meditation or uh, something that I said this morning or even something Pascal said in the Dharma talk, that's helpful to clarify. So I'll leave a little bit of time for questions if you have them. So if you have a question, you can raise your hand. And if no questions, that's also... Good too. Yeah.
1: So you were talking about being with an experience, um, I I think you said without, um, my word is hating. Um, and not needing
0: it, how how that, how one does that? Yeah, you might have the uh, possibility of doing this uh, with the physical body, right? So, uh, so you're sitting here and there's some aspect of the body that has some tension or uh, discomfort, and in the setting of the, in some ways like the discipline of the practice, When we try to sit still, all of this gets revealed, right? Like otherwise, if we're not uh, taking on this form, we automatically are constantly kind of shifting around or itching things or things like that. So usually if you sit here for even a short amount of time, eventually something will be revealed that is an unpleasant body experience. So when this happens, you could get interested in it and notice how... Almost immediately, there can be some habitual reaction of wanting to move that body part, right? Or change it, or in some way, like alleviate that unpleasantness. And sometimes it happens so quickly before you feel like the mindfulness has caught up, like already you're moving or itching or something. But uh, sometimes you might find that there's a little bit of space as you practice, and you can notice, like, okay, there's this. Uh, itch, and almost like you can feel your hand go up to itch it, you know, but then it's like, oh, right, okay, notice what that's like, So if you can, then just try to relax, and the the curiosity, the investigation is a really helpful uh, aspect of it. Be like, okay, so what is the quality? Is there something, this quality of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral with it? And bring this curiosity to noticing what this is like, just as it is. And it could be that you're kind of bouncing between the reactivity of the mind, like no itch, no, okay, what's this like? Okay, you know, (laughs) and that's okay. You know, it might be that the hand actually partly goes up many times or even you feel that impulse, right? And then sometimes you will fall into that uh, aversion or hating of it and wanting to go away. So then if that happens, that's also okay. You can bring mindfulness to that experience. So notice what that's like and notice how that's different from a moment in which something is allowed to be as it is, even if it's unpleasant. So it still is not something that you would like give to someone as a gift for uh, their birthday or holidays. But there can be some, yeah, kind of okayness with it, and even it can be like interesting. There can be some uh, intimacy with difficulty uh, that, yeah, brings a lot of freedom if it's possible. So, yeah, the experience of the physical body with something unpleasant, and then uh, even with the experience of taste or smell or sound is another good one. Uh, Many times there might be a sound that is uh, unpleasant, and the mind has gotten into a a reactivity about this, a difficulty with it. And we usually blame the sound, like, I wish that person would stop breathing like that. I wish that uh, radiator would stop dinging. I wish... Uh, that door would stop, something like that. When you actually pay attention more closely, you could notice, oh, the sound is just sounding in some way. The place of the the problem is actually in the mind, yeah, the contraction of the mind there. Yeah. So even noticing when you're not able to be steady with it can help reveal this pattern, yeah, show like, oh, there's the pain is actually not inherent in the sound, it's like in the contraction in the mind with that, the reactivity. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very new to meditation and I have never been as sleepy in my life as I am now. Yeah. Because everything changes it'll either get better or get worse, so <laughs> um, it's very normal for this, and uh, you know I think uh, probably the vast majority of people also are experiencing uh, sleepiness at some time here too so um, yeah, you know it comes for a number of different reasons, and sometimes you know you come to retreat and you're just actually tired, you know we're just actually tired from the long week and travel and being really busy in our life, right? Sometimes also, um, there's a way in which we're not used to uh, tuning in when there's not a lot going on. You know, our, our mode is engagement when there is a lot of uh, stimulation, but when there's no stimulation, we're like, oh, I guess it's time for a napping, Poof, right, you know, conca, right? So, uh, it's a part of the practice to of expand the range of what we're able to be with, you know, what we're able to tune in to. And uh, I think it can change in a variety of different ways. So one is if we make the sleepiness itself the object of our meditation, you know, so get interested in that and be curious about how this plays out. Like, like what is sleepiness? It's something that happens to us as humans, like, at least once a day, you know, it's... And we take a good deal of our lives sleeping, but we don't really investigate, like, what is this state also, you know? So, being curious about, like, what does this feel like in the body? Where do I feel that? What does this feel like in the mind? What does sleepiness in the mind feel like? Um, so in that way, it doesn't have to be necessarily a problem, but it's sort of another uh, energy of our human life that we can tune into and become uh, familiar with. Our uh, teacher and friend and colleague, Joseph, who um, Pascal mentioned last night, um, also had some uh, Advice I heard him talking about experience where he decided with great resolve he was not going to fall asleep during this period. Right? So he said that he decided with uh, exaggeration to like bug eye his eyes open, you know, and just be like not falling. You know, take take the really strong resolve. I'm not falling asleep this period. I'm going to notice what's happening right in the the body, including sleepiness. So he kind of bug eyed out and then sat there. And then he said, uh, not with tension, but then just observing the waves of tiredness as they move through. Uh, but actually with the energy of, of curiosity and interest and uh, presence then, uh, he said that you know, I could feel these waves coming through and uh, you know that they passed like one, two, three, four, five, uh, maybe 10 times and then for some reason then it actually passed. So you could see just with curiosity, like, how does this come through, this sleepiness? Does it come like a wave, like from the top down to start from the toes up? Uh, Is there sleepiness in the body? Is there sleepiness in the mind In both? Uh, So it's a very normal uh, experience. And um, this is one of those aspects of the sort of obstacle course uh, race of uh, learning the practice in which uh, it's very common that you will fall into the <laughs> mire of sleep many times. But each time, yeah, it could take new resolve and interest and uh, curiosity about it. So, yeah, one more, maybe. Yeah.
1: Last night, Pascal was talking about Joseph distinguishing between sorrow and sadness and how some emotions are more draining. Um, but I was wondering kind of if you could... A little bit more specific about wh- when you recognize an emotion is straining, but then it's just coming again and again, and how to work when you're in the national park of a dream mm.
0: emotion. Mm. Do an answer. Mm.
1: So one thing that comes to mind is. Um, uh, sometimes, and I don't know if you're new to practice or not, I, I don't know your story, but um, we might have um, an impression that uh, as we sit here and just attend like this, that it's extremely passive. You know, we're actually doing nothing. Actually, it's not true. Uh, mindfulness, being uh, aware, and as uh, Nushka is su- suggesting, being curious about uh, an event inside, like the emotion you're thinking of, is actually a new, um, that's something new in the equation. So it's actually changing the, what's happening. So before maybe you're swept by it, or you deny it, or so there's a bunch of uh, coping mechanisms that we have around emotions, you know, or ways that we get caught in them. And so here what we're doing is we're introducing a new, extremely powerful quality of mind, is, uh, or maybe several. One is being aware of, so being conscious while it's happening, so waking up in the cave, uh, curiosity which is energizing so it's not like denial fear of trying to bypass it's actually turning towards with interest it's extremely powerful so in time this can only change the situation it's it's that powerful and uh, so that's maybe in a way i'm expressing faith for me it's verified faith i've seen it Uh, a lot in action where I would be drawn by something or swept away by it now I can be awake in the middle of it and become interested in it and so I think that what you're learning to do and we're learning to do here is to actually recognize what's happening and be awake in it you know there was one uh, another thing that comes to mind and there was one uh, emotion that I would get to feel sometimes in my life and I didn't want to feel it anymore. Like it was coming, and it was overwhelming. And I was like, I never want to feel this again. And with another teacher, one time they said, What is the emotion you never want to, to feel again? Is there one? And it was really clear to me. Like this one. They said, Write it on the paper. Like I never want to feel this again. Like it's overwhelming. I get caught in it. So I write that. Wrote the, this emotion. And the teacher said, Turn the paper around. And now write I'm looking forward to feeling (laughs) and write that emotion and I was like no way I'm not signing up for that (laughs) you know I'm done with this I don't want to feel this and then I realized oh my god that's the place where I don't want to practice actually I don't want to bring mindfulness there I I'm scared of this I'm uh, uh, you know and and then I thought about this I'm like actually I'm gonna write this down you know I'm looking for it because it's gonna happen again you know so for me it was a kind of a, almost a contract, an engagement. Like I'm actually gonna take this on. Next time it comes, I'm gonna say, "Okay, here you come. Let me be awake in that," you know. And next time it showed up, like I saw it, like, "Oh my God, I can see it coming. That's the perfect situation for this to arise." And I was like, "Okay, Pascal, courage, show up," you know. And then this thing came, and I was like, exactly like. Uh, Anushka was describing, I was like, whoa, oh my god, paralyzed, you know, like body not moving anymore, like memory gone, intelligence gone, frozen, frozen, wow, so alive, so frozen, you know, collapsing, collapsing, wow, amazing. And then, but there was this little factor of curiosity In And it saved me because I was like, wow, this is what happens, how the whole like value, you know, Pascal is worth nothing, Mm -hmm. you know, that appearance. And then I was awake and I was like, wow, I'm feeling this emotion so strongly. I'm awake in it. I'm free in it, in a way, you know, that's not easy, but that's, that's the practice. Mm -hmm. And my bet is you're going to find the same thing for yourself with this, you know, so take it on. (laughs) So, okay, thank you.
0: We have a chance today for the high-quality soaking that Pascal mentioned <laughs> in many different ways. And I think also with, with learning about this kind of um, you know, difficult emotions or unhelpful, not beneficial ones, um, part of it is that we're using this different faculty of knowing with mindfulness with these different qualities of mind and so the learning is different than uh, thinking about it and deciding like this one's good this one's bad so in some ways this high quality soaking is essential to the practice of developing wisdom of getting to to really viscerally know a deep level the suffering of these patterns of mind that otherwise we might gloss over push away and not tune into so I wish you good, high-quality soaking today. Uh, We'll have a period for walking practice now, and um, one more thing maybe in the walking uh, you could notice is when we go back and forth, there's a point of turning around at the end of the path. And for some people, that's a place in which the attention might uh, vacate. Like maybe there's a strong... uh, resolved during the the path to be present and then somehow in the turning around and sort of the transition moment, uh, there's a lack of attention that happens. So you can be curious a little bit about that, what happens in the turning. Can I be attentive also as that happens and attentive with then the new path there? Or even for some people they might find like, okay, when the foot is on the ground, in the lifting and in the placing, there is attention, but in the moving, when there's not contact as much, that's a place of like vacating attention. When I might look around, or the mind will go to some other uh, place, something like that. So just being curious about that, sort of in the continuity uh, of practice, uh, where are places where there's a, a gap or lack in that continuity? And all of this just with curiosity, and uh, yeah, hopefully it can also be. Uh, fun even to play around and notice this stuff too. So have a good walking period. Thank you.